What's up, everyone, and welcome to MCS Podcast number 297. This is Buck Green sitting in for Jeff Anderson this week, and this week we're going to talk about some pandemic prepping aftermath. Rather than doing our usual weekly pandemic prepping update, uh, you're all pretty well informed on those issues, we're going to talk about another aspect of what we're all dealing with right now, and that is product shortages. The supply chain issues that are affecting what you can get and the things that you and your family need. There are five things you can and should be doing to deal with this right now. Some of it was stuff we all should have been doing before the pandemic, but, you know, none of us are psychic. All right. Uh, Before we go any farther, make sure you download our one-page handy-dandy cheat sheet that has the notes for this show. You don't have to take any notes. We've done the heavy lifting for you. That's at mcsmagazine.com slash 297. That's mcsmagazine.com slash 297. All right. Are you ready? Then let's talk supply chain survival. Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. All right, we're back. Uh, To paraphrase the head of a major meat processing company, the supply chain is breaking down. Uh, It's really an amazing thing when the head of a major company takes the time and money to take out full-page ads in papers in the United States to warn consumers that, hey, we're not going to be able to supply you with the things you all take for granted. This whole pandemic has been a real eye-opener. So many of us had never really seen an empty shelf in a grocery store. This is a point I've made in previous podcasts when I sat in for Jeff Anderson. Um, There is no way you can prepare yourself for just not being able to get the things you need. If you've never confronted that situation before, on a limited basis, some of us have confronted that, like uh, when shelves sell out right before a, a snowstorm or a hurricane or a tropical storm. If you're, you know, if you live in a state that's affected by tropical storms and and uh, hurricanes and and all that sort of thing. We've all seen uh, times when you couldn't get batteries. I remember there was a huge blackout a number of years ago, and I remember driving from one county to another in order to find a store that had batteries, things like that. So we've dealt with these on a limited basis, but never on an everywhere basis. Never, you know, like there's nowhere you could go for a period of several weeks to get toilet paper because it was just all sold out. Um First, the toilet paper disappeared from the stores and the bottled water disappeared from the stores. Uh, And then people started worrying about pets. So the pet food, people started panic buying that. And then it came down to actual food food and people started really worrying. And they now they're panic buying meat because of all the news articles saying, hey, you might not be able to get meat. Uh, And these are all valid concerns. But really, on an ongoing systemic basis, we all have to be we have to change how we approach the acquiring of the supplies that we all need because this problem is going to persist for a while. It's going to get better. Certain aspects of it will get better. For example, I went into a Dollar Tree uh, the other day and was amazed to see that they have tons of toilet paper in there still, and they have for several days running. Um, you know, it, it's 
It's hard not to feel like you're taking your life into your hands just going into a store these days, the way that they tell you that the pandemic is out there and going to get you. I am I live in New York State, the hardest hit state in the entire country uh, when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic and the epicenter of our country's uh, uh, pandemic. Fortunately, I'm in the upstate part of the state and not downstate in the New York City area, which has borne the brunt of all this. But the fact is, just going into a store is unnerving and unsettling. Um, most stores have mask policies in place now. You're not even allowed in without a mask. Uh, you see a variety of different masks, um, some of them effective, some of them much less so. The number of people I've seen walking around with masks not over their noses is very disturbing because they just don't get that what they're doing is not helping them or anyone. But this is not really about masks. We covered that. I kind of ranted on that topic for a while. Uh, my point is that certain supplies become available and then go away again. Uh, other things that were available suddenly become unavailable based on panic buying trends or even just legitimate supply issues. So for example, right now today, I was able to buy all the toilet paper I could carry. Um, that has not been the case for many, many weeks, but because I bought some ahead of time, I have had enough to get me through it. We're going to talk about how all these apply to the five things you can be doing uh, that constitute supply chain survival. But before we get into each step, I really want to stress this is a change in how you look at buying stuff. We, we are all, all of us, about buying stuff, especially in the West. Buying stuff is part of our identity. I'm as guilty of that as anybody. And for example, in the West, we tend to think if I buy a book, I now own the knowledge that's in that book, even if I don't read it. If I buy a knife, I now have the capacity to survive or even fight with that knife, even if I've never had the training. That's the sort of subconscious mental cue. So understand that we're talking about changing how you approach the buying of things. Because for the first time, we've all had to face the idea that even when I had the money to buy it, I just can't. Um, and I realize that there are a lot of us who are having severe financial problems as a result of the lockdowns and the, you know, we basically put a gun to the temple of our economy and pulled the trigger. Um, you know, it remains to be seen what ramifications that's going to have long term. Let's, let's get into the five steps, though, of what you can be doing to deal with supply chain survival. We have to assume, for purposes of this discussion, that you do have the money to buy things. If, if you don't, that's an entirely different discussion and a different set of tactics that we very well may cover in, in a future uh, podcast. We'll see. Step number one is, this is before a pandemic hits and before any emergency hits, you should be watching the news constantly. Um, a friend of mine does customer service for an essential business that sells food and vitamins and things like that. She takes phone calls and she got a phone call a few weeks back. This was well into the pandemic when we were all suffering from it. And the customer was like, well, why are you out of this, this and this? Why, why are you out of so many things? And she said to her, because of the pandemic. And the customer, I kid you not, actually said, what are you talking about? This person lived in such a bubble that they had no idea there was even a pandemic happening. I don't think most of us fall into that category. Most of us don't have the luxury of being that disconnected from what's going on in the world. But you should be watching the news. And I know it's stressful. I know the news is so manipulated and it's so full of bad things. It's really easy to, be, to overwhelm you. It can make you depressed. It can make you crazy. So you do have to take breaks from it. But as much as you don't want to, understand that you should be monitoring the news 
constantly looking for clues to what potential supply chain issues might happen. I'll give you a couple from my personal experience. Surgical masks sold out in the United Kingdom while they were dealing with the pandemic, but before it really became a thing here in the United States. We were all worried about it. We were all kind of crossing our fingers and our toes, hoping it wasn't going to affect us. Meanwhile, there were UK papers. I, I want to say it might have been the Daily Mail was a huge offender. They have been always taking the most sensational angle of every part of this uh, pandemic story. So I, I was accustomed to seeing Daily Mail articles that were really sensational when it came to what was happening over there. And I started seeing articles about how surgical masks were selling out. That was a clue that the same thing could happen here. So I placed an order for a box of surgical masks and a box, a box of uh, surgical gloves, things that are very difficult to get now. So when you see clues like that, it, it won't hurt you. I mean, I wish I'd bought more at the time. I didn't know. I had no idea how bad things would get. But at least I had some, and some is better than none. So follow these clues. Uh, another good example, don't ignore local news sources, even your direct experience. This was a case of reading papers from uh, over the ocean. Locally, I, I do. I work with uh, Kydex on the side, uh, which is a thermoplastic, and you mold it and then you grind it, uh, and uh, the dust that is produced is not something you want to breathe. So I used to buy N95 masks because it, they were the best at filtering out those particles that I didn't want to be breathing. Well, I went to the hardware store to get more and was astonished to find that everything was sold out. That's when I knew that the hysteria about masks had come to the United States. I was able to find a supplier online who still had a box of N95 masks at a reasonable price, what, the, what they used to sell for. They used to sell for, you could get a box of 10 for between 30 and 50 bucks. Uh, so I bought one and uh, then suddenly you couldn't get them anywhere and there were people price gouging for hundreds of dollars for a box of 10 N95 masks. So that was a case where local news clued me into the fact that something was wrong. So while I could, I got some stuff from uh, online. I also ordered some masks and some filters uh, for friends of mine who are, I have a friend who has a, a, an organ transplant and is therefore immunocompromised. I made sure that he had masks. And even then, stuff was starting to ramp up. So I had a bunch of mask orders and filter orders on, I had to go to eBay because it was the only place where they had them. A lot of those orders got canceled because sellers were running out of inventory faster than they could take down their listings. So I ended up uh, placing a bunch of orders, several of which didn't come in. The ones that did come in though, did so just in time. And I was able to make sure that my friend had the mask that he needed. He, he wore it to his clinic and uh, they told him that, wow, that's a really nice mask. <laughs> it's, it's good that you have that. So, you know, it's one of those I hate to be right kind of situations, but it, it sort of vindicates that you should be paying attention. Here's a good example of something that hasn't turned into an issue yet, but could. I've seen half a dozen articles about quote unquote murder bees, these Asian hornets that will wipe out uh, uh, hives of bees because they bite the heads off the bees and just wipe them out. Um, they're these giant bees. They're very dangerous. They're dangerous to people. People have died in Japan from these things. Um, and now they're here in the United States. In Washington, they're freaking out. Not, not D.C., Washington State. They're freaking out because right now they need to try and eliminate these things before they take hold. If they can't do it, then those quote-unquote murder bees just become a part of life in Washington and elsewhere in the United States. When I grew up as a kid, they were always telling us the killer bees are coming, the Africanized killer bees are coming, and I gather that this is a different horrible bee. <laughs> 
So I don't, I don't know. It's almost like uh, somebody's trying to tell us something. But uh, now might be a good time to place an order for some wasp and hornet spray before that becomes impossible to get. Now, I'm not saying I think that's going to happen. It probably won't. Uh, for most of the country, these bees are not an issue. But it's the sort of thing where I'm like, do I have any bee spray in the basement? Maybe I'll just buy a couple cans and put them away, just in case. So watch the news, and when you see something that could point to a future supply chain issue, buy it. However, that doesn't help you if you've only come to this understanding after the stores have already run out. You know, and I talked to plenty of people who went, like, I just needed toilet paper because I needed it. I went to the store. I can't buy it. Most of those stores have not had it ever since. Uh, they've gotten, you know, periodic shipments in that have immediately sold out. So if you weren't paying attention, uh, you missed out on your chance. But that brings us to point number two. And this is a behavioral change for ongoing product shortages. And that is that you should be building a cushion and then rotating those supplies as a matter of habit. What that means is when you can stock up on something, you do. Uh, if you can't stock up on something, especially because product limits have been imposed, like you can't buy all the toilet paper because, for one thing, that would be a jerk move. But for another thing, there's a limit to how many of a certain thing you can buy. Well, what you do is you make multiple trips. You go to the store every day while it's safe for you to do so. Uh, you, whenever you do deliveries, if that's what you're doing, you make sure to try and buy that same thing every single time. Sometimes you'll get it, sometimes you won't, sometimes it won't be available. What you do then is you overbuy whatever your supplies are. And when you can get something, you buy more than you think you'll need as long as that product will keep. I mean, obviously you can't stock up on milk because it's going to go bad. But you stock up on what you can through multiple shopping trips, through buying in quantity when it's possible to do so. And what you've built is a cushion. You have more than you're going to use in a set period of time. Then you keep shopping. Once you've built your cushion, you shop as you normally would. That way, you're always replenishing the supplies that you're using, rotating out the oldest stuff so that you're using it uh, using it up to keep your stockpile fresh. You, you know, It's kind of like buying batteries. You don't buy a case of batteries, then keep buying batteries, but never use the case that you bought because those, ba those batteries eventually go bad. They expire. So follow the same philosophy with all of your supplies. You build up that cushion and you rotate. You keep buying. What this does is it sees you through the periods of time where a given thing is not available. Here's a good example. Um, a member of my family likes Maxwell House decaffeinated coffee, and that has become exceptionally hard to find uh, during the pandemic for whatever reason. It was actually kind of hard to find before then, depending on which store you went to. They didn't necessarily have it, and they didn't have it in the smaller can size that she preferred for whatever reason. So what I did was, when I could buy uh, the, that brand of decaffeinated coffee, I did, and I bought more of it than they were like, we were likely to use. Then there was a period of time where you couldn't get couldn't get it at all. And I, I bought a few other brands knowing that she wouldn't prefer that, but whatever. Then all of a sudden, one of the local stores uh, started carrying at an inflated price the smaller cans of that brand that she did prefer. So suddenly I was able to buy some of those and just keep rotating the supplies out. Um, you, It's very inconvenient 
And yes, there is a risk involved in going out and shopping, especially during a pandemic. There was a period of a few weeks there when we hit the peak here in New York. I did not go out at all. They were telling us not to go out at all. And, and that made sense because that was when the curve was at its apex and things were the worst, the worst that they've been. Uh, in terms of deaths and infection rates. Um, and when we needed stuff, we had it delivered and, you know, sprayed it down before we brought it in. And uh, so you should be doing that on an ongoing basis anyway. Jeff has talked about that in other podcasts. But the, the, the approach we're talking about here, philosophically, as a strategy, is a sound one. You build up your cushion, you pay constant attention to your supplies, and you rotate out the oldest ones so that when you hit those dead spots, those spots where you can't buy that thing, hopefully it'll see you through. Um, you know, the same philosophy would work for bacon. While bacon's available, you buy more of it than you're ever going to eat in the period of time between shopping trips. The next time you buy bacon, you buy even more so that when suddenly the shelves are bare and there is no bacon, you've got a few weeks uh, built up of bacon. <laughs> precious, precious bacon, so that hopefully it'll see you through the shortage. However, uh, you're not always going to be able to do that. That's going to bring us to points uh, three, four, and five. Point one was watch the news constantly for hints as to supply chain issues. Point two, build your cushion, then rotate. Point three, the third thing you should be doing is you need to be networking with your direct neighbors, the people who are close to you. Um, I'm talking about people who are within reach of you if you want to trade goods with them. Uh, Facebook groups and apps like Nextdoor are really useful for that. Nextdoor especially is built around what neighborhood you live in. I signed up for Nextdoor so, so that I could monitor what's going on in the neighborhood. I've never written on it. I've never contributed to it. And in terms of your operational security, the last thing you want to do is announce to the neighborhood that you have supplies and you're prepared because they'll come looking to you for help and you may not be able to provide it. So use these apps to as an intelligence gathering tool. Uh, network with your neighbors if you trust them and uh, you are being careful to guard what you truly have. You know, if you, if you happen to have a, a surplus of a few goods, you can either trade with other people without fully revealing the extent of your surplus, or you can even anonymously give to people who are in need. Say somebody in your neighborhood says, I, I, I'm all out of toilet paper. My kids would really like it if we had some. Maybe you were able to build up a cushion of that stuff. So, you know, you anonymously leave a couple of rolls, uh, you know, for them or, you know, however you want to approach that to maintain your operational security while helping out your neighbors. You can use the app to gather intelligence as far as who has extra stuff they're willing to give away. There are people in the neighborhood who've set up little tables saying, hey, I've left some stuff out. You want to come take it? You know, just leave some for the next guy. And it's really, it's heartening to see a neighborhood come together like that and try to help each other. So that's one way to offset the depression and the anxiety of this type of situation while also keeping tabs on your neighborhood, knowing what's going on. Uh, these neighborhood apps are also great for keeping an eye out for crime and for looters. I am aware of certain attempted break-ins in the neighborhood specifically because of the Nextdoor app that I would not have known about otherwise because I didn't make the news. So keep an eye out for that sort of thing. Network with those you can while guarding the true extent of your supplies so that you don't become a target if things get really desperate. That brings me to point number four, and this was a lesson that I had to come to grips with. You need to change your attitude when it comes to your supply chain. As I said, most of us have never gone without. I mean, we've been broke. We've, we've needed to get through some lean times, but most of us have never had to deal with being 
unable to buy something even when we had the money to get it because that thing is just not available. Um, it can be hard. I, I took it really personally at first. I, you know, I was really worried. I'm like, my family needs stuff, and if I can't get it for them, I'm a failure. I, I really felt like that. I felt like I was failing. And if I there were things I didn't anticipate, I felt like I'd fail them. I'm like, I'm Mr. Survival. I work for Mr. Mr. Even More Survival. How could I not have seen this coming? How could I have missed something? Uh, it's the same reason when I first got into survival, it was right after Hurricane Katrina, and I was terrified of what I would say to my family if I did not provide for them in a natural disaster like that. Well, this is that same situation, except it's everywhere all at once. And I really had a hard time coming to grips with the fact that not everything was under my control. You have to come to grips with that as well. Your family members may complain. If your kids are complaining about stuff that they want that they can't get, it's a dagger in your heart, man. But you've got to remember, you didn't create this situation and you're not in control of it. Um, if you have kids who, for example, miss their friends, here in New York, they just announced school's going to be closed for the rest of the year. They closed school down in March. And, uh, you know, the idea was that we were going to come back and reopen. Uh, the schools are usually open from uh, September to June. And uh, now no more. No more school the rest of this year. That buys them time. And they're going to have to make a decision about summer programs. But really what they're doing is buying time to see what happens and see if it'll be safe. Um, ironically, children, uh, especially in the younger age groups, are not the ones most affected by this. And there's even some research that says they don't spread the disease around, which I'm not sure how that's possible, but okay, whatever. Um, point being, though, that if your kids are upset because they can't see their friends, they miss their friends, especially if you have a very social child, it can make you really sad when they're sad. It, it really hurts when your kid is unhappy and there doesn't seem to be anything you can do about it. You have to remember, you are not in control of that. You didn't create this apocalypse. You just have to live in it. So the fact is, uh, you do your best. You do what you can. You provide what you can. And the rest of it, you've got to learn to let go. I know that's hard. I know it's much easier to say it than it is to do it. It took me weeks of this to be able to reach the point where I can kind of accept it. It still bothers me, but there's literally nothing else you can do. So just do your best and learn to let go of the things you can't obtain. Finally, and part five, this is as we look to the future. Supply chain survival means thinking not days ahead, but weeks and months ahead. Uh, back in March, I ordered survival food because I was worried not about not being able to buy food uh, because it wasn't available, like they're saying now, but because I was worried that in an extended lockdown, we might not be able to leave the house at all. I was thinking about those those families in Boston during the Boston lockdown after the, the marathon bombing. Um, there were police bringing milk to people in their houses because those people weren't allowed to go out at all for anything. That was a much shorter lockdown, but it was still very real. So I thought, well, gosh, if we're in that situation, I'd better get some more survival food. I had some, but I was not confident in how much I had. So I placed the order and they're like, yeah, that's going to be like 11 or 15 weeks. I still don't have that shipment of survival food now in May. Um, hopefully we're getting closer to when they'll actually be able to fulfill the order. But uh, I still placed the order because I knew that when it finally came, I would be glad to have it. And who knows, it might come at a time when it's critical to have those extra supplies. 
Many, many weeks later, we ran an ad uh, right here through MCS Magazine. Well, it's not an ad. It was a, a, an email, one of our sponsored emails for uh, a different company that manufactures survival food. Uh, it's another company that I've used in the past, and I couldn't remember which was which, to be honest, when I placed my initial order. Well, this company, I was like, well, I'm going to buy more because 10, 12 weeks from now, I'm going to want that survival food too. I placed that order through through the email that, that we sent out from MCS Magazine, and I got that food in two weeks. Now, I have no idea if everyone who placed their order was able to get it that fast. I, I did it you know, right first thing that morning, so it's possible that they sold out of that supply because survival food is in such high demand right now. Uh, that industry went insane when the pandemic hit. So uh, my point is, you never really know when you're going to get stuff, so you have to think ahead. Um, I placed a giant grocery delivery order thinking it would take them at least a week to deliver it because it did previously. And that order came that same day. I, I don't know why. It was kind of luck of the draw. So we ended up with surpluses of things, and I put some bread in the freezer. It always feels weird to me to put bread in the freezer. It's just, I don't know, it feels unnatural. Anyway, <laughs> um, as luck would have it, we bought a new refrigerator right as the pandemic was starting to hit. And I remember thinking, it's insane for us to be buying a major appliance right now when the world is going nuts. Well, I'm really glad we did because we ended up getting a larger model that was a like a floor clearance, uh, got a great price on it. But at the time we were like, well, gosh, is this freezer too big? <laughs> no, no, it's... It's probably not big enough because right now we're all putting stuff, we're stockpiling and putting stuff in the freezer to save it for later. And as I look at like frozen loaves of bread in the freezer, I'm like, good thing we got the bigger freezer. You just, you just never know. So always think in terms of not now, not even a week from now, but several weeks and even months from now. Play 4D chess with it. When you place an order online, it says, you can order this item. This has been happening on Amazon since the pandemic hit. You can order this item, but you're not going to get it till a month from now, or you're not going to get it from two months from now. Go ahead and place that order because you're going to want that stuff when it finally comes in. Um, and in some cases where Amazon has been really weird lately, uh, because they were swamped with orders in the pandemic, they started prioritizing certain goods over others. But I'm noticing that Lately, things that they said were at least a month out have been showing up earlier than that as they got around to doing them sooner than they anticipated. So just because it tells you this won't be shipped until, you know, next month, maybe, maybe not. It's worth it to place that order. I talked about the bee spray. I went on to Amazon. I said, I would like this, uh, the, this pack of bee spray. And it said, OK, but you're not going to get that till the end of May. It's now the beginning of May. Well, I placed the order because who knows? Either I'll want it when it comes in at the end of May or it'll come sooner. But either way, always be thinking ahead. Um, you know, play 4D chess with your supply chains. Think in terms of what I'll want and need months from now, weeks from now. I know that's not hard, uh, not easy. I know it's complicated. Sometimes you end up overbuying something, but if you end up with a surplus, well, that becomes a trade good. That becomes something you can donate to somebody else in the neighborhood who doesn't have it. Especially now in this era of broken supply chains, it's never bad to have too much of something. You can always turn that into a benefit for you or someone else. Those are my five tips for... Uh, dealing with supply chain survival. Watch the news, build a cushion and rotate it, network with your direct neighbors, learn to change your attitude, and think weeks and months ahead. I hope you find that uh, this helps you. I'll, I'm willing to bet a lot of you are already doing this, either intuitively or explicitly. It's simply what we've all had to do 
to get through the supply chain issues that come with this pandemic and our government's reaction to it. Until next time, this is Buck Green in for Jeff Anderson saying, prepare, train, and survive. modern combat and survival. survival we hope you've enjoyed the show you can help us out by rating our podcast on itunes and leaving a comment you can check us out on facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival and don't forget to claim your free subscription to modern combat and survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com lock and load and we'll see you next time this has been Modern Combat and Survival. <laughs>